welcome to the inaugural New England Holstein podcast. This is a new adventure for the New England Holstein Association, and we're hoping to continue to connect members with ongoing activities in New England and get some exciting guests and member stories from throughout the region. My name is Betsy Bullard. I'm fortunate to farm with my family in Turner, Maine, Breguin Farms, and I'm also currently serving as the Area One Director to Holstein USA. My guest today is Nate Robertson of Bohannon Farm and Kentucky Creamery. And Nate also serves as our current New England Holstein president. So, Nate, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself a little bit, and and, and foremost, thanks for joining me today and for being willing to launch into this new adventure. Well, I'm certainly happy to be here, and I'm happy that you invited me. Great to see you, and um, looking forward to this podcast. They'll will be able to do for us, getting a little more outreach, hopefully to that younger generation. Always nice to have something to listen to driving around on tractors on the farm and maybe we can keep it something that's pretty relevant and a good way to stay up with new Holstein stuff. Like you said, I am the current president. In the last three years, I served as the vice president on New England Holstein board. I'm also on New Hampshire, obviously, but I've been there since about 2016, I think. And I got involved after I came back from UNH Thompson School to farm with my family. I've got two brothers, mom and dad. We're milking 106 Holsteins right now. We process all of our own milk as well. Nate, if, if you I, wouldn't mind telling us a little bit more about your 106 cows and the operation you have at home there, maybe how that fits into your role with New England Holstein. When I came back in 2015 to the farm, I was told by my dad and older brother that I could either do crops or cows. And since I was doing crops, I was going to be the cow guy. That was fine with me because I certainly always enjoyed showing. I think I was a little more involved with it than either of my brothers. I also beat him quite a bit. That was fun. I've always had a passion for the Holsteins and in a couple brown Swiss, but but definitely Holsteins being the main thing. I focus really heavily on high genetics. You know, we've we've been getting some pretty interesting awards in the past couple of years, a few years running in a row of a couple breeding certificates. And one thing I was excited about is we had a photographer that was supposed to come out with one of the semen companies recently to take a picture of a set for the catalog. And I'd never had that happen. So I think that we're certainly improving our genetics and in the herd overall. But a part that has made it really easy to do that is when we started processing our own milk, we left our co-op. And so we had to downsize quite a bit because anything that we didn't sell under the Kentucky Creamery label and bottle in ourselves uh, was going in the manure pit. We left them in 2021. So this has been our second, we're going on our third year of of doing everything ourselves and not having the, the milk truck stop in anymore. Because once you hit a certain threshold, you're you're not able to balance with the with the federal markets. So mm-hmm. that's been really changing the farm. I went from milking seven or eight times a week and now I milk twice a week. But I also deliver and I, I work in the processing plant one day out of the week also. So I'm doing a little bit of everything, which is good because it's fun to see it all go full circle. So that's always one thing that I've felt a passion for is putting it in front of the customer and getting the customer at the grocery store to swap the milks out when you tell them that you're you're their farmer. <laughs> and so that's neat. As far as other roles for my brothers on the farm, 
Sai, like I said, is our crop guy, and he's been working a lot on moving forward with no-till, really intensive soil testing, making sure that we are improving crop yields and and being able to meet our our needs for what what we are are milking because we'd always struggled to do that in the downsizing and selling heifers we've actually been been having feed surpluses able to sell a little hay and started grinding our own cornmeal so that's a huge cost saving and hopefully this year we did just about nine to ten months worth out of the year that's that's definitely making the checkbook feel a little better parents are still here Mom and dad dad does just about everything and kind of big picture at this point but he's still in the plant three days out of the week and delivers. And then my mom milks and manages the books and uh, and she takes care of our calves. It's the nice to see family. everybody family every yeah. day. Yeah. Nate, I think it's pretty interesting to hear what all the different ways, what's the saying, like all lots of different ways to skin a cat. I think within our membership and, and outside it, there's lots of different ways that people are making making the farms work and, and working the Holstein cow into their farms. As one of the lead up activities to this podcast, I was fortunate enough to have our executive secretary, Linda Haggerty, provided and with lots of assistance from, from other folks like uh, Marion Seifert, I think. My mom, Mary Briggs, chimed in with a few details as well, provided some interesting history bits and can't guarantee that there won't be a quiz at the end of this, mm-hmm. Nate, but there was, say that as a disclaimer anyways, <laughs> was a tremendous amount of information that I really didn't know a lot of. So I think most times folks are interested in the history as well. And, and I thought it's pretty cool to hear about the history of the New England Holstein Association. And yeah. I feel like this is a little bit of a dairy bowl question too. And, and Nate, I think you had the opportunity to check out firsthand our juniors that are practicing for National Holstein Convention competitions here coming up this summer. So the first herd of Holstein cattle in America was established in 1861 by Winthrop Chennery on his farm in Massachusetts. So when we refer to New England as the purebred of Holstein seed stock, that's no joke at all. By the early 1900s, a small group of enthusiastic breeders from throughout the six New England states had formed a New England club. By 1920, New England ranked as the third largest Holstein region with 30,000 purebred Holsteins. New England breeders were encouraged to form an association, and throughout 1920, numerous meetings were held, and 466 breeders pledged to form a New England association with a full-time field secretary. So the first meeting was held on January 4th, 1921. That's kind of a long time ago. When we look at it over 100 years, that's a tremendous sort of history. And one of the fascinating things in that history, at the first annual meeting in 1921, the association clearly signaled its commitment to youth by voting a cash appropriation for calf club work at Eastern States Exposition. So you can see the association's commitment to those youth activities has been going strong for well over 100 years now, which is speaks to the dedication of our members. And we've had since 1922, I think we've had almost 20 juniors from New England. And I don't have the exact figure, whether it's 19 juniors from New England have been designated National Distinguished Junior Members, ranging from the 1938 all the way through into the, well, into the 2000s. That's a tremendous amount of history. Strong members that have gone forth and done exciting things throughout the Holstein business. We've had national uh, directors from our New England Association. Uh, I think we've had four or five of those. We've had national presidents come from our region. So I hope our members continue to feel like they can weigh in on all those activities and that we have, even though we may be small, 
in numbers, we have some pretty exciting things going on. So I know I said there wasn't going to be a quiz. However, <laughs> Nate, tell me about a particular cow that's yes. either a favorite of yours or has a particularly compelling story in your history. I started showing in 2004, and I wasn't overly serious about it at nine years old. But um, once I got a little older, started asking dad what we were breeding cows to and who we were breeding them and getting more and more involved in it that way. I remember that we were limited a little bit because the herd was quite a bit different. We were a much more commercial herd. I couldn't pick every bull that I wanted to. Dad showed me where the milk stopped at 500 and said nothing below that. So that certainly changed some. And one that stuck out is the bull Roy. And he sired some pretty incredible animals and made a huge difference for us here. But the cow, Frosty, once she did that back-to-back World Dairy Expo Supreme Champion, certainly I saw her all over hordes while I was studying and reading articles on her and that one inspired me a lot because i always loved those gorgeous black animals that's one of my families on on our farm was certainly most of them were black and that that made me feel really i don't know i just always thought that show cows like that were amazing and along with all of her other accolades i enjoyed that and then um now recently in the past few years i've been dabbling with ivf i've gotten a hold of some frosty genetics so that's something that's kind of neat to to see, you know, kind of have a dream. And when you're when you're starting out young and have no chance of ever attaining it as a 16 year old. But once you keep plugging away at it, things opportunities come up, things get so that you can really realistically get into a higher genetic level than what you can you can start with. And as long as you drive after it, that's kind of where I was coming from with her. And then, of course, I have my personal favorite cow on the farm, who uh, I'm surprised nobody knows about, but that, that's Minchi. So she was the first one we ever bothered to get professionally photographed. And she's still got plenty of cows running around that are out of her. And we've managed to get her some red and white into that family, which I've pushed for for quite a while and finally got something to stick. And that feels neat to have the homebred, too. You know, I know that not, not everybody worries about that that much but that's always been special to me because maddie is about her fourth generation granddaughter and that's the first cow that i actually put in to come out excellent so that felt really cool too because i'd been trying for one and trying for one you know since i got home and asking like well why haven't i gotten them yet and all you got to do is get lucky we had two under my program but a girl worked for us for about six months and she got one of them and my brother got the other one so i was i was really really gunning for one and to have it come out of out of the family that's always meant so much to me was exceptionally gratifying i got excited about that that day well, congratulations. That's that's a fun story, too. And and I'm definitely sensing a little bit of competitiveness there through the family members <laughs> and who is going to be first on on the excellent cow and not. And, and I think that's a great example of how farm families interact and what a special sort of thing it is for us to be able to work with families. And sometimes special means different things on different days. But overall, that, that's definitely a huge kind of benefit. For sure. And it pushes you. You got somebody to compete against a little bit still. You're not just chasing numbers on a spreadsheet. You've got somebody that you got to beat at home, pushes you too, and keeps you on your toes. So that's absolutely a little healthy competition is a good thing because we can certainly get stuck in a rut if you don't have anybody keeping you moving. Very true. So Nate, 
Not only was that a good story, and I'm learning more about your business as we chat here today, but that's a perfect segue into my next question for you. What's your favorite Holstein program? I'm not sure if it's quite a program, but what I always enjoy are the clinics. If we can get out onto a farm, I remember going to a couple of them as a kid, and that was always what I got excited about, is we'd have a couple of days of really intense getting ready for shows. You have a classifier, show you how to linear score a cow, and, and going out doing stuff in, in Wisconsin when we'd do some farm tours. And that was where I felt I got to meet other individuals the most and mm-hmm. network a little bit. You know, that you had had a little downtime and get to see new ideas of how people are working on, on the show animals. And I love the Jeopardy, but I was never very good at it. So maybe that's just a personal thing. <laughs> maybe if I'd studied a little more. But I was always more interested in meeting people and getting to know what's going on on their side of the country. I think that certainly I have I have a lot of respect for what Nicole's doing with the Jeopardy and the Knowledge program. That was a lot of fun to go to that practice and see some very intelligent and quick youth plugging away and reminding me very quickly that I needed to make sure the buzzers were reset because that is an important aspect to a fair Jeopardy game. So Nate, I think that brings up a great point about the value of our New England Holstein activities and some of the things that we've heard from folks that they were missing a little bit is that networking aspect, that connection sort of aspect that we're hoping to work on with these podcasts. Like our goals are to have monthly episodes with the podcast. And as I indicated earlier, we'll have different members that are that are working on different things. Hopefully we'll have some of those uh, youth competitors have Nicole on one of the one of the episodes and they can tell us a little bit about more about what they're what they're doing to get ready for convention and what brought them to to youth activities. We're looking forward to hearing from other members that folks that we maybe don't hear from all that often and hear a little bit more about what they're up to. These will be monthly episodes. This episode is supported wholly by the New England Holstein Association, and we'll have opportunities for folks to advertise on future episodes. So stay tuned for that and for more details there. One of the other things that we've had feedback that would be really helpful for this series is to talk a little bit about our kind of our upcoming events. And I think if folks make sure to check us out at nesholsteins.com at the website, we do have a pretty complete list of upcoming events. This episode will air on February 26th. So that the things that are happening in March before we have another episode. You don't want to miss the first ever Good Times at Goodview tag sale and youth clinics Saturday, March 9th in Richford, Vermont at the home of Borderview Genetics. We'll also for the calf sale is March 16th in Springfield, Massachusetts at the home of the Big E. That sale was established in 2003. Some of the proceeds go to support Mass 4-H Dairy, including Quiz Bowl Herd Management, National Conference, Big E 4-H. These are activities that uh, lots of participation, I'm sure, will happen at those. Lots of opportunities for some of our folks to appreciate good cattle together and, and check out some sales. And do check out our entire list of upcoming events on the website. We do have a homework assignment as well for folks, not just for you. You've completed your homework assignment and I appreciate that. And and again, I appreciate your uh, your willingness to play along with this and to share more about your business. So the question for listeners, please submit that to us either by Facebook Messenger 
to the New England Holstein Association page or by email. Even other, if you can think of another creative means, that's fine too. But if folks could name an iconic New England cow and why they feel like that animal is an iconic New England cow, we'll plan on discussing that at the next episode. So we want to tune in for that one. Any last words for folks, Nate? Just excited that we're reaching out in new ways. Hopefully this can drum up a little bit more excitement, involvement, and also we hope that this will keep you a little better informed. I know that, like I said earlier, I listen to plenty of podcasts when I'm spending 10 hours on a tractor, and so maybe this can get thrown into your mix, and um, if you have any tips or interesting facts that you'd like to share, send them in too, and, and we'll make sure that they're getting out there. Also a great way to let other people know what's going on on your farm. If you have an exciting story, I'm sure that we could definitely broadcast that here and we'll keep you posted. Thanks, Nate. And that brings up a great point. If folks out there have have exciting New England Holstein stories, either if they're current ones or even if they're historical tidbits that I missed on my bits and pieces that I shared today, we'll continue to share some of those as we go along in, in the episodes. But please do send those along and we'll look forward to keeping this exciting. And if there are particular topics that sound like they'd be great additions, send those along as well. So you've been listening to the New England Holstein podcast. This was the inaugural episode, and we thank you for joining us today. This episode was sponsored by the New England Holstein Association. Stay tuned for future episodes. These will be monthly podcasts. We look forward to spending some quality time with you again soon.